try keeping your awareness with the breath to see what the still mind is like. So many of us just practice to see, well, what's the breath like? And the breath is a concept. And then we learn, oh, okay, it's the sensation that's arising and passing away. Okay, let me see what the sensation is like. Oh, this changing nature. Now, what's the mind like? What's the mind's relationship to the breath? This practice is very simple. What's challenging about it is remembering to do it in the first place. And that's what we practice. We're practicing remembering to do it. That's one of the many roles that mindfulness plays. Remembering yourself, remembering to be present, aware, clearly knowing, clearly seeing. Mindfulness Outreach Initiative is a nonprofit insight meditation organization located in Omaha, Nebraska. We provide meditation instruction based on ethics, compassion, and wisdom, as well as social outreach programs based on transformation and healing. To join the MOI community or to practice generosity, please visit our website at mindfulnessoutreachinitiative.org. Welcome to everyone who's online and everyone who's here. I've been offering some teachings on the five spiritual faculties. Today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, the spiritual faculty of concentration. And so the five are confidence, energy, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. And so like I said, I'll talk about concentration today, and then next time I teach, next month, I'll talk a little bit about wisdom. Take a breath. Give yourself a chance to arrive. We've got a full house, lots of energy, lots of activity. Everyone kind of excited to, to be here among friends. Just feeling into the body, connecting with your breathing. You don't have to make yourself slow down. Just begin to notice how things are. So as I was preparing for the talk tonight, beginning to just consider this topic of concentration of samadhi in Pali, there's really two types of concentration that you'll find in meditation instruction, in meditation practice. There's the type of concentration that we practice when we are practicing insight meditation, vipassana. That's moment-to-moment concentration. And then there's the concentration that we practice when we are 
focusing on a single object where we're trying to sustain that quality of concentration. So I brought down some, some reading that I will share with you and we'll see how that goes. But just a couple of uh, meditation teachers offering some instruction around those two forms of practice. When you come here, you'll generally get some instruction around both. You'll be encouraged to establish some attention and focus on a single object. And then from there to kind of move into that Vipassana style of practice where you're simply directing some attention to whatever's most predominantly being known. It's interesting to consider concentration. And a question I wanted to pose to you all And you'll have to be really honest with yourself as you consider this, but just kind of feel into it. Don't just think it through, but draw upon your own experience and feel it. Are you any good at concentrating your attention? So if you're just listening to the thoughts, the thoughts are probably immediately giving you an answer, right? Maybe. But then as you feel into it, is it really very challenging at all to concentrate on anything? I find it interesting that we can concentrate on a movie for three hours and be entertained or that the mind can be caught up in the defilement, just endlessly proliferating worries, concerns, anxieties, stresses, and the mind can be totally connected to that stream, generating a tremendous amount of suffering for ourselves. And yet we can be there, really present, really concentrated in those states. But yet then when we think about something like, oh, let me pay attention to the breath. Oh my gosh, oh, now it becomes a real struggle. It's like heavy weight lifting. So I would like to propose that concentration may not be as challenging or difficult to achieve as you might think that there's plenty of things that we're able to establish some attention and focus and really find that steadiness of that continuity of the mind to be connected and engaged with whatever is present in our experience. And when you feel into this, I think you can begin to really recognize that, yeah, there's some truth to this. That said, it is something that needs to be practiced. We need to give some attention to strengthening this quality of mind, this spiritual faculty of concentration, of samadhi. And then you might want to consider, well, what form of samadhi do I want to strengthen and practice? What form of samadhi do I want to begin to explore? What is meant by this moment-to-moment -moment concentration? What is meant by this continual concentration? So I'm going to 
share some, uh, some readings from other teachers and what they have to say about this. But really just looking at your own experience, don't let your mind go into the old habit of complicating things. This practice is very simple. What's challenging about it is remembering to do it in the first place. And that's what we practice. We're practicing remembering to do it. That's the role that mindfulness plays. One of the many roles that mindfulness plays. Remembering yourself. Remembering to be present, aware, clearly knowing, clearly seeing. And when you begin to find the natural way of the mind concentrating, again, it's not that you concentrate the mind. It's that the conditions are there that support the arising of concentration. So one thing to consider as you're practicing is recognizing what are the conditions? Are the conditions present? Are you trying to concentrate on something and just really struggling, really forcing yourself into some idea of what you think meditation should look like? That sounds like a lot of suffering. But yet you can still practice in a way where you are inclining the mind, practicing an intention for the mind to become collected. Oftentimes we can easily look at our mind and see how it is fragmented. Our attention can be fragmented. There can be so many different things taking place in the mind. And when we begin to recognize that, we can see how that fragmenting of our attention is uh, not very supportive of our overall well-being. And it's all about balance too, right? We don't want to completely be focused on one thing at a time all the time. One time I came back from retreat and it was a long retreat. I'd been gone for three months. And when I came back, one of the first things I did was I, I got together with friends. And we were a group, a group of friends coming together. And I remember afterwards kind of the feedback that I got about how I was with that group was I was too focused on each individual person that I was talking to, to the point where others felt excluded. And it's because my mind was already in that place of really being concentrated. I was totally focused on this one person I was talking to and everyone else kind of felt excluded from the conversation. Like they were just witnessing two people talk and they weren't part of the conversation. The other thing that I noticed uh, after this feedback was given was the sensitivity of the mind having come out of just being on retreat. That feedback was like, oh, that really, oh, that hurt. Because <laughs> the mind was so sensitive. As, and I started like, you know, replaying, oh my gosh, how was I? Was I, what could I have done differently? But one of the great benefits of this practice is I was able to see that delusion pretty quickly and to let it go, to set it down. It wasn't wise. It wasn't skillful to sit there and try to replay the conversation. It was the past. So I could just bring some awareness to it and take the feedback and, okay, I need to widen this lens. One way that concentration's kind of described is that it's, it's like a magnifying glass where you catch the rays of the sun and it becomes pinpointed. 
So those rays of the sun can be described as, that's the quality of awareness, the quality of mindfulness. And this concentration catches those rays of awareness and makes them razor sharp. So it's very penetrative. So you can really get into the experience of something and, and gain that insight. Some teachers, the way they talk about concentration is where it's this sustained concentration, where there is an object, and we as the subject place our attention on the object, so there is this connection made, connecting to the object. And then there's this rubbing. Sometimes it's described as rubbing. And we oftentimes will just describe it as sustaining, sustaining the connection. And when I've talked about this before, I also talk a little bit about energy, which is that second spiritual faculty in this whole series of talks I've been giving. So we connect to the object, and then there's this intention to sustain that connection, establishing that concentration. But that concentration is supported by the energy. And we all know that this is kind of challenging for us if we're not well-practiced adept at this, we see the mind wanders away. And if you're really mindful, you can kind of see that what happens is that energy starts to wane, and then the mind drifts. So the way to find this continuity of sustained concentration is to just be very mindful, notice the connection, notice the energy, and just before the energy, just like you've got fuel in your car, just before you get to empty, make effort. And that effort begets the energy. It brings, it arouses the energy, so you begin again. And then there's this kind of, you do that enough, you start to find this continuity. And amazing things begin to happen out of that. The connecting, the sustaining, the continuity of that, finding that momentum. It's like being on a bike. Initially, you, you pump those pedals, and then you can coast. You pump those pedals, and then you coast. And then you might even come across these experiences where suddenly you're going downhill. It becomes very effortless. My teacher, Joseph, he talks about this as being on a curve and you're at the top of the curve trying to maintain your balance, this sustained concentration. And when you start to find that momentum, it's like suddenly this, this kind of ramp turns into a trough. And now you're in the base of that trough, and it's just easy, steady way of being. You don't have to make this great effort to maintain that connection, that sustaining. So this idea of being on that hill point, it's like balancing on a ball. You make your connection, you sustain that connection, and the mind will wander. It'll wobble off the ball. You'll feel this kind of wobbling of your attention. When you're really mindful with this quality of concentration, you'll see your mind kind of wobble. And then you might come off the ball, and the mind wanders off, and then eventually the awareness returns, the mindfulness returns, and you're like, oh, I lost connection with the object of my meditation. Let me begin again. And so you get back up on the ball. And maybe you're really starting to find that balance. And there's a little wobbling, and there's some falling off. It's all part of practice. So one of the things with this particular spiritual faculty is to really incorporate some compassion, some self-compassion. Don't give yourself a hard time. 
It's all part of practice. Even the, the mind wandering is part of practice because there's insight to be gained in all of it. Because when the mind wanders, what you're seeing, you're seeing into the nature of impermanence, the impermanent, unreliable nature of concentration, attention. So what's there to be upset about if you can't concentrate? I can't concentrate. Concentration for me is, it doesn't come easy. It's something that I work at. I'm more of a insight person. Go figure. I'm interested in that insight practice. I've got a very good friend of mine who's very much interested in the concentration practice. He and I will get together for long sits and he'll He'll sit there and go into these deep states of concentration, and I'll just sit there and practice insight into the changing nature of things. He can't understand how I can sit for so long practicing insight. How do you do that? There's a lot to, lot to explore about this, and I think a lot of times we can get really confused about it by the instructions that we hear. There are profound states of concentration deep meditative states of concentration. Sounds pretty cool, like, oh wow, this sounds like a secret hidden place that only a few can get to. How do I get there? What good does that do you? That's just a concept, just an idea. Don't let that obscure your direct experience of what concentration is all about. The benefits of concentration is that it's a wholesome state of mind. When you can establish concentration, it acts as a protection for the mind. You become absorbed in an object, secluded in the object, protected from the kalesas, protected from these unwholesome states of mind that bring about suffering. One way I, I will generally kind of describe this is I just invite any of you to remember a time where you were doing something that you were so concentrated on that you didn't hear that somebody who was speaking to you. Like you're watching your favorite television show and, show and somebody's like, hey, hey, I'm talking to you. And you're like, what? And you were just so concentrated on that television show, you were secluded. You were, the mind was protected from distraction because you were so absorbed in that object. The thing about concentration is that it is impermanent, just like everything else, it comes to an end. Insight leads to a liberation, a liberated understanding that frees the mind. But this concentration is still just as important. Not just as important, but very important. It supports that mind waking up. So it's worthy of practicing, worthy of strengthening. But don't mystify it. Don't make it something that it's not. And know that it's profound. There is an amazing quality to the mind becoming concentrated. And it's really interesting to explore. You can experience rapturous states, blissful states of mind, as the mind becomes concentrated. And it's just another way of practicing with the changing nature of experience. 
for many of you, you're, you're relatively new to practice, maybe been practicing just a few years. And so one of the things that you're probably primarily practicing with is unpleasant states. How do I find freedom in relationship to this unpleasant state? The more you deepen your practice, you'll begin practicing in relationship to pleasant states. How do I find freedom in relationship to this pleasant, blissful state? Because it too comes to an end, and if I get attached to it, then there's suffering. Suffering inherent in it all. The unpleasant that I'm not in control of, the pleasant that I can't hold on to. So I'm going to go ahead and read just a little bit, or maybe a lot. I got three different authors here that I thought I would read from each one. Saidao Umpandita, Shaila Catherine, and Upasaka Ki. Last week, Kyle gave a talk, and the week before that, Mark gave his talk. And in all the talks that we're giving here, you know, with Anne's talks that she gives, you know, every time you come, you're probably going to get just a little bit of a different take on things from each of us. Not a different take, but just a different perspective. We're all teaching the Dharma, but we might talk about it in a, with different voices in a way. But when you come here, you're getting the same instruction. Pay attention to what's happening. Recognize the, the natural laws of this reality of ours. Come into harmony with it. Don't create conflict with it. And when we step into that harmonious relationship with reality, when we as nature align with nature, things go well for us. We alleviate suffering. But in our delusion, in our ignorance, we think we're somehow separate. I'm, I'm this person watching nature, and it's not doing what I think it should do. And I'm pissed off about it. I object. I am offended. This spiritual faculty of concentration supports the mind seeing clearly. So we're going to begin with Saidao Umpadita. And he's going to first kind of more talk about um, what I'm going to read here talks more about the moment-to-moment -moment concentration that we exercise in Vipassana practice. And he talks a little bit about this sustained concentration as well. There are two types of samadhi. One is continuous samadhi, which is the concentration gained while meditating on a single object. This is the type of concentration gained in pure tranquility meditation, where the one requirement is for the mind to stay put on one object to the total exclusion of all other objects. Those who follow the path of continuous concentration are able to experience it especially when they, are, when they gain absorption into jhanas. Jhanas are, it's a Pali word and it points to these profound states of concentration. Vipassana practice, however, is aimed towards development of wisdom in the compilation of the various stages of insight. 
Insight, of course, refers to basic intuitive understandings such as the distinction between mind and matter, the intuitive comprehension of their interrelationship by virtue of cause and effect, and the direct perception of the impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and selflessness of all physical and mental phenomena. These are basic insights, and there are others that one must traverse before attaining the path of fruition consciousness, which have nibbana, or the cessation of all suffering, as their object. In Vipassana practice, the field of awareness of objects is crucially important. The field of Vipassana objects are mental and physical phenomena, those things that are directly perceivable without restoring, resorting to the thinking process. In other words, as we practice Vipassana, we observe many different objects with the goal of gaining insight into their nature. Momentary concentration, the second type, is most important in Vipassana practice. Vipassana objects are arising and passing away all the time. The momentary concentration arises in each moment with each object. In spite of its momentary nature, such samadhi can arise from moment to moment without breaks in between. If it does so, momentary concentration shares within continuous concentration the power to tranquilize the mind and keep the kalesas at bay. So even when you're practicing this moment-to-moment -moment concentration, it can still act as a protection for the mind. This one is from Shyla Catherine, and she uh, particularly teaches this type of concentration that is sustained and leads to these jhana states. And I'm kind of emphasizing these authors because if you're interested in study, checking out the books that Saira Upandita wrote, and this book on, it's called Focused and Fearless by Shaila Catherine, if you're interested in exploring those, they would be good. So here she just gives some basic instruction on concentration practice. And I'm reading these and emphasizing this so that you can see, like, there's no mystery. There's no secret teaching. What I've been practicing since I was a little kid, staring at the TV and ignoring my parents, that's what we're practicing. Only now I'm paying attention to something far more interesting. The breath. The nature of reality. Concentration meditation. For concentration meditation, we establish a very simple task. We choose one object and maintain concentration on that. The method I teach uses the breath as the initial focal focus for attention. We give ourselves the task of observing the sensations of the breath as it enters and exits the nostrils. Narrowing the focus to a single object discards many of the stray thoughts that occupy and divert precious mental energy. The simple practice of repeatedly bringing attention to the breath and letting it rest there from the basis of this meditation. Here are some basic instructions. And then she goes into some of these instructions that I'll share with you. But here she kind of talks about that quality of energy that supports the concentration. She says here that when there's a lot of distractions, and here's where we can be distracted in this kind of concentrated practice, it diverts precious mental energy. And that energy is that 
That's what we need in order to sustain that connection to our object. So when you're practicing concentration, you can be distracted. When you're practicing mindfulness, there are no distractions because whatever arises is part of the practice. You can meet it with mindfulness. You can meet it with that moment-to-moment -moment concentration. If you're trying to sustain concentration on a single object and you hear the phone ring, it could disturb that concentration, pull the attention away. So her instruction here is, sit in a comfortable posture. Feel how the body is sitting. Feel the contact with the chair. Gently bring attention to the breath. First feel the whole breath and how the chest and abdomen expand and contract. Then settle the attention on the sensation of the breath at the very tip of the nostrils. Observe the initial point of contact with the breath. Observe the sensations of breathing without altering or manipulating the breath. I'm going to pause there because most people somehow seem to miss that instruction. When we're meditating, we're not practicing pranayama yogic breathing. We're not purposefully breathing. We're allowing the breath to come and go naturally. Really letting go, not, not getting involved with the body breathing, but just noticing however the breath is. If you go to a yoga class, though, you're going to get some really specific instruction on breathing in a particular way. Many different exercises around breathing. But with Vipassana practice, it's just to kind of let go of the wheel, let go of the reins, take a step back, and, and just simply observe. Let the breath come naturally. Attend to the breath as it is now, not as you think a breath should be. Observe the whole breath throughout the duration of inhale, exhale, and pause. Inhale, exhale, and pause. If the attention drifts off into thoughts, bring it gently back to the breath. The mind will probably stray many times. When the mind is lost in thoughts and, and mindfulness is weak or absent, the conditions are not present to choose alertness. When you wake up to the, the bare fact that thinking has subsumed the attention, you can redirect your attention to breathing. Without judging your capacity to meditate, simply return to the perception of breathing. Attention is not developed by riveting the attention to the breath with superglue or hammering it into the nostrils with nails. Attention becomes unwavering by consistent willingness to gently begin again. You've heard this instruction a lot here. Begin again. Mind wanders, begin again. We've got a good friend here tonight who I think very skillfully pointed out that instruction to begin again is very compassionate. Don't give yourself a hard time. Just begin again. With this exercise, you are cultivating your capacity to let go of distractions and strengthening your ability to direct the attention. It diminishes habits of distraction and cultivates a peaceful and calm awareness. So again, I'm going to pause there. It cultivates a peaceful and calm awareness. So the next time that you are feeling a lack of peacefulness and calm, and you're interested in bringing about one of the conditions that will support a calm and peaceful mind, practice concentration. 
find an object, direct the attention there, and see if you can sustain the attention with that object. Just observing the object. And one thing too to say about concentration, it's not always about going out and setting the mind to the object. You know, she mentions that. It's not about hammering the mind to an object. There really can be a sense of receiving the object. So even just think about this. We're going to just pause for a moment. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes if you're not already and just mindfully listen and see if you can notice the subtlest sound in the room. Notice if the mind is leaning out to hear the subtlest sound. It's out there, this very subtle sound. Sometimes the mind has a tendency of going out to find it. See if you can just settle back and receive. Let the sound come to you. This can be a way of conserving that energy. You're not working so hard. There's not the risk of greed in the mind as you go looking. Just receiving the sounds that arise. Now noticing the overall state of the mind. Just in the practice of mindful listening, there can be this sense of the mind becoming collected, concentrated. And then she ends her instructions by saying, please set some time aside each day to practice this. And so last, I'm going to just read a little bit that Upasaka Ki says. And she says, Try keeping your awareness with the breath to see what the still mind is like. I love Dharma practice. You can take a simple instruction like that and practice with it for months. Try keeping your awareness with the breath to see what the still mind is like. So many of us just practice to see, well, what's the breath like? And the breath is a concept. And then we learn, oh, okay, it's the sensation that's arising and passing away. Okay, let me see what the sensation is like. Oh, this changing nature. Now, what's the mind like? What's the mind's relationship to the breath? It's very simple. All the rules have been laid out, but when you actually try to do it, something resists. It's hard. But when you let your mind think 108 or 1009 things about no matter what, you find it very easy, not hard at all. Try and see if you can engage your mind with the breath in the same way it's been engaging 
with the defilements. And this was that point that I made earlier. Try engaging with the breath and see what happens. See if you can disperse the defilements with every in and out breath. Why is it that the mind can stay engaged with the defilements all day long and yet go for entire days without knowing how heavy or subtle the breath is at all? So try and be observant. The bright, clear awareness that can stem from staying focused constantly on the mind. Sometimes a strong sensory contact comes along and makes it blur and fade away with no trouble at all. But if you can keep hold of the breath as a reference point, that state of mind becomes more stable and sure, more secure. And that state of mind she's talking about is the concentrated mindful quality. It has two fences around it, mindfulness coupled with the breath. If there's only one fence, it can easily be broken. And so that fence that she's talking about is really just mindfulness and samadhi. Those two qualities that I said can act as a protection for the mind. Samadhi, the mind becoming secluded, absorbed, it can be like a protection. And then the mind becoming mindful, as I mentioned in the talk that I gave last time, that too can be a protection for the mind. I mentioned how the mind full of awareness, there's no room for the defilements to get in. The mind is full of awareness. It's almost like you see these things on the periphery. You know they're at the gate, but the gates are strong and they, they don't come in. They don't pull you away. They don't distract you. It's like you can see, oh yeah, there's those old habits but they just don't have that gravitational pull that they used to. When you begin to explore these sort of things in your practice, you won't need convincing to practice. You'll look at your meditation cushion and you'll be like, this is worthy of the noble ones. And you'll take your seat. It's important to be well-versed in the Dharma. You want to understand the Buddha's instructions for practice so that you're not wasting your time, so that you're not running around in circles. But you don't want to be rigid about it either. You want to have a playfulness and a creativity and a curiosity in your practice that you can explore your mind and find the joy in doing so. There's so much happiness in this practice. I think a lot of you are beginning to discover that or you probably wouldn't have stuck around as long as you have. There's a lot of heartache and sorrow in this practice because we're waking up to our conditioning. A lot of that conditioning has really led us in ways that were not skillful, did not support our well-being, led us into suffering. Waking up to that, seeing that, it's painful. It's practicing the first noble truth. You have to see that suffering. You have to see the first noble truth. You have to come to an understanding of it so that you can begin to abandon it, begin to uproot the cause of it. And the cause is greed, hatred, and delusion. We understand greed. It's not just mere wanting. It's that, ah, i got to have it. The neediness, the craving in it. 
the delusion that you think, oh, it'll bring happiness if I had it. You have to uproot the aversion, the ill will. The confusion that I should be in control. This should be the way I want it to be. Everyone's wrong. I hate how it is. It's not supposed to be this way. And then the delusion itself is that we somehow think everything is some, you know, oh, this is all reliable. I can count on this. And we don't see that it's all changing. So every time we sit, we're practicing these things. We're practicing this clear seeing. Concentration supports the mind's efforts to see clearly. So these spiritual faculties, these are so worthy of cultivating your confidence in this practice. Your confidence in the teachers, the confidence in yourself, the confidence in the Buddha. Understanding that energy is all about this fine-tuning of balance. Not too much energy, not too little energy. Noticing when lethargy in the mind is masquerading as physical fatigue. And not succumbing to it. That it's, oh, this is just that hindrance of sloth and topper. I'm not physically fatigued. This is something I can work with. Really strengthening your ability to be mindful throughout the day. It's not just about when you sit on the cushion. It's checking in with yourself throughout the day. Strengthening this present centered awareness that doesn't necessarily wish for things to be different. Not practicing greed, not practicing hatred for how things are. Just seeing clearly. And working, setting time aside to really practice concentration. One of the best things you can do these days for practicing concentration, read a book. Sit down with an old-fashioned book. And if you haven't done this in a long time, you'll see how easily the mind is distracted. These habits of checking our phones fragment our attention. It weakens our concentration. The programming on television is, it's like we're watching Sesame Street 24 hours a day. It's, there's all of these edits and cuts. There's nothing sustained for any given amount of time because everything is vying for our attention. And they know that begin again works to keep your attention. They know that. And here we are as meditators trying to learn that. Ah, begin again. So there's all these things dancing around, catching your attention. It's like, okay, I can meditate to practice this focus. What else can I do to practice this focus? Can I go for a walk and be in nature and keep the attention with nature? As opposed to the mind wandering off, thinking about past relationships, past conversations, future conversations. Can I practice being present? Can I keep the mind focused on one thing, like a book? Or like the breath, really being meditative. Can I do the dishes and only do the dishes? 
or do I do the dishes and I need five other things happening at the same time in order to do the dishes? A podcast is probably okay. One thing. One thing in the dishes. <laughs> I was talking with uh, somebody before everyone started showing up, um, and uh, we were talking about how as long as we think our sense of humor is funny, then it's okay. And so uh, next, uh, next time we, uh, we meet and I'm giving the talk, I'll, I'll talk about the spiritual faculty of wisdom. But that's all I have for tonight. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. May the benefit of this practice be a cause and a condition for our own liberation and the liberation of all beings everywhere. Thank you for listening. We know your time is valuable, so we are grateful you choose to spend it with the MOI community. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. To make an offering, please visit us at mindfulnessoutreachinitiative.org. And tune in each week for more Dharma talks, reflections, and teachings centered in the insight meditation tradition.